This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Hello and welcome to Mother Other. This is a place where I explore how our lives and identities are impacted by motherhood and ask my guests philosophical questions about life, work and the mothering experience. Last week I shared some things that have been highlighting my weeks in lockdown. This week my partner and I have been binge watching Line of Duty while our children are sleeping. It's a British crime drama and it's completely compelling. The other thing that I've been loving is an app called Paprika. This is not sponsored. I just really love this app and I think it will help a lot of parents to save time. It's a meal planning app that has just made planning food for a household during lockdown so much easier. You can upload recipes, save them from Google. It basically does everything and I love it. I think it's an excellent parenting hack as it's saved me tons of time. What has been keeping you occupied and what have you been loving? I would love to know. Send me a message on Instagram if you'd like to share and I'll post them in stories. Today I'm chatting with Annika Hine, a mother, writer and creative director of Jane Magazine. Annika is incredibly creative and thoughtful in her mothering and her and I clicked very quickly. I walked away from this conversation feeling like I'd just caught up with an old friend. Annika and her partner, photographer Odin Wilde, co-own and create Jane magazine together. So along with parenting and a romantic relationship, they also share a working relationship. Annika's original idea of motherhood was that her baby would easily slip into their work and travel lifestyle. So it came as a bit of a shock how much more complex that looked once Vala came along. Annika shares a segment of her beautifully poetic birth story during this conversation, which may leave you with wet cheeks. If you'd like to read the full thing, you can find it on our journal, and the link is in the show notes. We discuss the expectations from society and those that we put on ourselves, which begins during pregnancy but also follows through to birth and then mothering. We discuss the invisible work of mothering, gentle parenting our toddlers, which is much more work but worth the payoff, how much our kids teach us to be mindful and present. But my favourite part of this conversation was the deep dive we take on how to be in the world as a creative and a mother, utilising our short bursts of creativity and doing the self-work to become the best version of ourselves for our kids. If you're a creative mother in any capacity, I am sure you will love this episode. All right, let's dive right in. So today I'm speaking with mother Annika Hine, a writer and creative director of Jane magazine. Jane is a beautifully composed, slow art movement, considering and challenging the dialogue around creative intention and consumption. Annika, your incredible skills as both a writer and creative director have allowed you to cultivate such a beautiful, unique presence with Jane Mag. So I'm really looking forward to delving deep into the topic of motherhood with you. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Amy. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast. My my pleasure always. Would you like to start us off by telling our listeners who you're a mother to? Yeah, I am a mother to my daughter Vala Inez and she is 16 months old next Monday. Oh, such a good age. Yeah, it's a fun I, age. I remember, I remember that age so well. It was very <laughs> recent for me. Um, so 
Let's go back to who you were before you became a mum. What was your career like? What was your general lifestyle like back then before you became a mum? So I was still working. Obviously, we were working on Jane, um, myself and my partner created Jane together. So we were working from home. We were creating the magazine. We were traveling a lot more than now. Um, I don't think that's obviously to do with becoming a mother. It's more just the situation Mm. at the time. I don't know if I'm really that much different since I became a mother. I would say more my processes have become different and had to adapt. I used to be quite um, protective of my time in the morning. Um, I work really well later in the day. I work well at night. Um, And so my mornings were really slow and considered. um, And that was a, a conscious choice and a conscious way that both Oda and I had decided to live our life and create our workflow in that way so we had those moments of connection um in the morning and then we sort of got into work that obviously isn't the case um now so I feel like maybe I am the same and what I create is the same it's just the way in which I go about it has had to change a little bit Mm. so you were Jane magazine was created well before you became a mother and conceived yeah so uh I think we were issued five and six while I was pregnant. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so and three, about three years before Carla was born. Mm. And so that's your full-time gig? That's your work? Yeah, yeah. that's how we're, we're both freelance as well. So Odin's a photographer, I'm a writer and a creative director. So I do freelance um, for different companies and different brands in terms of photo shoots, direction and writing and copywriting work. Um, but it's the balances sort of start as Jane grows um, and as the content and the deliverables of what we need to do for Jane grows, the balance changes a little bit. So it's more Jane, less freelance. Now, at the moment, really, it's predominantly Jane for myself because I am also mothering Bella. (laughs) Yes, of course, yeah. (laughs) Going back to, so you're in the middle of magazine creation and freelance life with your partner did you imagine a future with children in it either of you yeah we talked about having kids um quite a lot when we lived in Dalesford so that was sort of a pivotal time for both of us I think we really reevaluated what we were creating why we were creating how we were creating how we were living our lives um what was important to us and we definitely so Bala's placenta is buried in Dalesford, not because she was born there, but because that was when we started talking about her in a way. So mm. she was sort of like in our orbit when we were there. So that's why she, her placenta is there. Um, mm. So we definitely talked about and imagined our life with a child, with children. I guess though, like the the way you imagine it is always a harsh contrast <laughs> to the reality. Um, in a in a good way as well but it was sort of like you know you'd be doing things or we'd be we'd be flying to Paris and we'd be like oh so she'd just like come with us you know like <laughs> it's as easy as that and it's obviously not until you have a child that you realize some things um take a little bit more planning than that <laughs> oh totally <laughs> or like oh just be working with her and then you're like oh no I run around the house all day so I actually can't <laughs> sit down and work <laughs> yes so it was more like imagining simple scenes that yeah. or um, enjoy like sort of what you envisioned as your future as, yeah, a, as yeah. a family and um, more rather ritual, than the details yeah. yeah yeah 
Yeah. And the process of how you would get to that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ever worry that it would impact your work? Or did you just assume she would just glide Definitely. along with you? I think that's yeah. why we had those conversations because um, we are both in Victoria at the moment. Um, none of our family is from here. So we have no immediate family. Um, we weren't, neither of us grew up in Victoria. So we were somewhat on our own. We were working together you know we didn't have the um traditional or standard maternity leave option I guess um so it was definitely um a thought for us about how it would work and I think really it was more a way for us to reimagine and redefine what that meant to to have children in the creative field especially as a mother you know I think that's why I was so adamant on like oh well she'll just come you know, we'll yep. just go, we'll just bring her to photo shoots. And she does. She comes with us on mm. most of our jobs. Um, and I think that that's something that I was really looking forward to about becoming a mother is sharing those experience with, experiences with her and also showing her a different version of yeah. a normal Yeah, because it's different for everyone, isn't it? And yeah. I think society gives us this image of what motherhood should be, but it's definitely not that. And it can be whatever you want it to be. And I think I love that about how uh, actually someone else I spoke to did the same thing. Um, Ilsa, I don't know if you heard that conversation, but she was talking to me about how she always took her children to her photo shoots. And as a photographer myself, I I couldn't, I was like, how, how does she do that? That's full on. But it's amazing to be able to give that to your children, I think, to offer yeah. them that creative life and show them your Absolutely. work. Whereas I've always had this, oh, I need to separate it. Yeah. But you don't really. It's no. just, I think, the way we've been indoctrinated with this idea. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So did you uh, continue working the whole time? Did you feel the pull to be creative again mm. shortly after becoming a mum? What was that like for you? I felt really creative uh, immediately after I gave birth. So in that really new born early stages, I just wanted to write and write and write. And I had the opportunity, I guess, because it's very sleepy soft time. And mm. I think I always think it's funny that I transition. So I, I write really long form essays and articles. I've always been very, very um, elaborate, I guess, in my description and in setting the scene. So a lot of my essays are quite long form journalism they take a long time to read they take a long time for me to prepare and and, you know delve into it and research um but after Vala was born I had a pull to write more um poetry styled prose I guess Mm -hmm. I'll call it and I don't know if that's whether it's just because um time allowed me to have these short bursts of creativity rather than really sitting down for long hours um, yeah. But yeah, definitely in the in the early stages, I felt really, really creative. Um, and I think as Vala gets older, it's not that I don't feel creative. It's just that my, the way that I work and the, my process, I do need time to sort of sit with my thoughts and sit with um, concepts and ideas. And the, those times are fewer and far between the older she gets. Yeah, because um, it gets more um, hands on. Hands on. Yeah, it gets more hands on, and there's no specific timeline anymore, is there? It's yeah. sort of just erratic. Yeah, and I really, I really try and focus on um, being really mindful and being really present with what is in front of me at the time. So if it is, I am being a mother, 
I don't want to also be trying to write something while she's, you know, off playing. I don't, I can't work like that. I really yeah. need to be in a space um, creatively, mentally, physically. Um, yeah. So I, but I, you know, I've still got like, like hundreds and hundreds of little notes on my phone. They're there. The thoughts are there. <laughs> They're coming. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same as me. It's like, yeah. oh, I've got to write that down because yes. you know that yeah, if you don't, don't hold on to it, it's, it's gone. gone. It's gone. <laughs> what was that thing I thought of yesterday? Like. Oh. And that's yeah. the most, that is the most frustrating place to be creative. Yes. You're like, I know I had a really good idea and now <laughs> yeah. I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's gone as yeah. soon as you get the time. Yeah. You actually wrote a beautiful birth story, which was in the sort of poetic format, yeah. um, which floored me when I read it. Would you mind reading out a passage from that? Blood. And I don't really remember the moment they took you or how I even got off the bed you were wrapped in a towel while they wheeled me away. My glasses still on the floor next to the bed, my legs and lips shaking in shock and the frosty fog of the headlights leading the way while they wrestled and worried over how to get the wheelchair down the stairs and up the hill. It was taking too long. I was desperately thirsty. And then I was in the ambulance. And a man who could not remember my name and a midwife who kept correcting him. Alone, wondering where you were wondering where your daddy was, wondering when my legs would stop shaking or why my mouth was suddenly all chalky. The sirens went on. It's okay, they said. And then everything goes grey. Oh, God. Yeah. When you said to me you didn't know if you'd be able to read it without getting emotional, I was like thinking, I hope I don't get emotional and I'm like, oh, God. Because it just, it places you, like it places me at my own birth and um, I'm sure for everyone listening who's been through an experience like that, it's it's very evocative of that, yeah, yeah that really yeah. intense time. By the way, anyone listening, that full birth story will be on our journal, which I'll link in the show notes. Looking back in retrospect, especially now that you're reading, that you've just read a passage out, how much did that birth experience impact you mentally? Oh, a lot more as the time went on and I sort of had the had the ability to unpack it and I think different um different layers presented different mental obstacles um I don't know if it really all hit me all at once I was sort of mostly concerned with um the fact that Vala was was with Odin for those first um, moments then I was really focused on time so because I can't really, like once she was born and she was put on my chest and, you know, we played her her song and it was a really beautiful soft moment, but I don't really remember for how long. Um, so then I got really, really hung up on um, if her cord was delayed for the long, the, the right, um, doing air quotes, yeah. right amount of time. Um, if I got the right amount of skin to skin with her um, and I was quite, um, uh, I don't know if strict is the right word, but but for lack of a better word, strict during my pregnancy in terms of caffeine, taking um, Panadol, like I didn't take anything. I didn't take hay fever tablets. I didn't take anything. You know, I was trying to be really, really um, conscious of just because that felt right for me, not because it's, yeah. you know, any medical advice or anything. Just um, And then I sort of was like, okay, well, that was all for nothing because then I was obviously comfortable of, Drugs, so then I was like, okay, so her first milk was like ruined, was my head language at the time, you know. So of course, it was a lot yeah. of like blame at the beginning. 
Um, and then it was more based on healing. So then mm. I started to try and, and realize, like, well, not even realize, try and um, process certain parts of the healing. And again, like, there was a lot of blame and shame around things that I did um, during the birth. And that was the cause, which is completely wrong. Like, it's not, it's not correct information. Like, how I birthed Bala and the, how I labored and everything had no um, impact on why certain things happen. Um, but it's obviously just you look for ways to process. Um, and as a perfectionist type A personality, I think you always go self-doubt yes. first. And I think it comes back to what we were saying before about how we picture what things should be like yeah. in motherhood, how we Absolutely. picture what things should be like in birth, how we totally. sort of have these expectations on ourselves. And I, I'm the same. I yeah. am quite a type A personality as well. And it's really difficult to wrangle with birth because we have no control. We all of a sudden have no control. And it's like that with motherhood too. All of a sudden that is, I guess, the transformation of matrescence, which is the word used to describe the psychological and emotional changes that we go through during mm -hmm. motherhood. Mm -hmm. And it's a monumental transformation. And I think starting from pregnancy, like you said, you're mm -hmm. already grappling with all of this. Mm -hmm. I need to control this pregnancy. And it's it, with good intentions. You're trying mm -hmm. to do the best you can be doing for yep. your baby. But a lot of the time we can't control these things. It takes a while to process. Yeah. 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 How did you feel through matrescence in your journey through becoming a mother and the feeling of that change? Did you Do you think you started to feel it when you were pregnant? Did it begin after the birth? After. I, during the pregnancy, I think because we chose to have a home birth, um, I was so focused on the birth and I didn't really, I obviously connected with Vala like a lot, like on our walk, on walks in the morning, I would talk to her, but I wasn't talking to her about me being a mother. I was talking to her about the birth. Like I was mm. always putting those visualizations of like, okay, we're going to work together and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I think, I, I really think that's because I was like, okay, well, we're having home birth, so I really need to be completely prepared about that process. And I don't know if that left a lot of room for any thoughts about like what kind of mother I was going to be. To be honest though, like I did, that part I didn't find hard. Like I, I felt like a mother as soon as she was born. And that came very, very naturally to me. It was more the self-work um, I had to do in in order to become the best mother that I could be for her. And that's a lot of like self-healing, mm. you know, unpacking the trauma of different things and going through that type of healing for myself so that I can be the best version of myself. And that then allows the space to be the best mother for her. Yes. Um, yes. Definitely like at moments of, of identity, I don't know, identity crisis, more just like, okay, so how do I be in the world now as a, as a creative and a mother, mm, which, mm. which kind of surprised me a little bit. Like, I don't know if I would have before that really described myself as like super maternal, nurturing, definitely nurturing, but I wasn't the child who was, I wasn't playing mums and babies. How much of yourself did you leave behind after the birth? I don't know. Not, I don't think, I, again, I don't know if I'm really that different as a mother. Mm. The parts I left behind, I think I'm still continuing to, continuing to learn to leave behind that they're those parts of you can't control everything, you don't have yeah. to be perfect all of the time, yeah. you don't have to behave in a certain way, you didn't fail. It's that self-doubt talk 
mm. that I'm that I'm leaving behind. I don't know. I don't think I left them behind because they sort of they shed in their own way. So I'm not longing yeah. or yearning for them. Like I feel really comfortable in this role. Yeah. And what about communicating this, all of this stuff with other people? Did you find anyone to really connect with on an emotional and psychological level? From a new mum perspective, um, I made some really great. It was hard though because Val was born literally at the beginning of, we went into lockdown the day she was born, I'm yep. pretty sure. So yep. the first the first three months were hard in that essence because I didn't have anyone to I didn't have anyone to process the birth with and I think that probably contributed to a lot of trauma and um healing being stunted a little bit you know it like stayed in in my body for a while because I didn't talk I didn't have anybody to speak about it with apart from Odin which who was obviously amazing but he also went through the experience you know so he's got his own trauma to process in a way that um, and also he didn't give birth. So, you know, you, you, to speak to another birthing person and have them sort of validate the experience, I think was quite important. Um, but I made a, a, like one of my best friends now, Bobby Clark, we, we during lockdown voice noted each other daily because her little boy James was born two months before Vala. So not from a birth perspective, but from a, okay, these babies are this age what are we doing basically perspective um yeah and a lot of my friends like some of my friends have children they're a bit older though so I feel like the um the strong connection really comes from finding people in a similar in with babies the similar age because you're really in that same season um yes and maybe as a creative mother as well finding somebody who's also creative I think makes a huge difference because your work is a version of your identity Absolutely. I think that's that nails it because that's kind of what I found with this podcast. I had friends who I could talk to as well, but I just really wanted to do exactly what we're doing right now and just delve into the deep stuff and forgo all of the surface talk because even though it's helpful, like you said, to have someone at a similar time with a baby a similar age who's going through the same stuff, there's something to say about having that connection with someone who's quite philosophical and open to the dark stuff and not kind of scared or willing to shun it away you know how people sort of go oh don't think about that I'm like no I want to think about that I want to talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah I think that that's completely right and I did um you know we're going for lots of walks so I was listening to your podcast and to other (laughs) podcasts and I think that made a big you know you sort of just feel you're like oh okay this isn't I'm not alone here like yes that's it it's just validation I think that that's all we can really ask for in our experience is for somebody to validate how we're feeling we don't you don't need an answer or a fix or a solution all the time you just need um to feel safe and okay in what you're experiencing in that moment totally yeah uh, I'm, what about other friendships in your life? Have they morphed and changed since becoming a mum? Especially people who don't have children is kind of my area of interest. Yeah, not really. I've, we've got a really great um, group of friends um, and some of them don't have children and they're really always interested and excited to hear about Vala and to hear about our experience. Um, obviously, I think the kinds of conversations you have depends on like the closeness of the friend of the friendship some conversations you can um get it off your chest in a way that you may not get the same um uh dialogue with somebody who doesn't 
who hasn't experienced that themselves but it doesn't mm. mean that they can't be there and be a really great supporting sounding board yeah, for you so true yeah no I didn't I haven't found that um there's like a couple of moments obviously when you're like okay well no I actually can't go out at 9 p.m <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like you know it's just that's just like you know they're they're in a different season of their life they shouldn't they yeah don't, they don't think about it so I don't I sort of just like let that wash off and also because like I said to this role has come really naturally to me I'm not personally sitting there being like oh I really do actually want to go out at night that's just yes. not me. like I'm I'm really happy to be at home yeah not locked down at home but at yeah home. <laughs> no yeah I that. agree I think I, I think you summed it up really nicely in that they're in a different season of their life and that's exactly yeah. what it is I think I think that's how some people's friendships do change it's just that um, the area of importance of things in their lives totally. is out of balance and yeah. it can sometimes impact negatively, sometimes not. And it's amazing that it hasn't for you yeah. and that you have such supportive friends in your yeah. life. And then what about the word mother? Does that hold much meaning for you? Um, and what is that meaning? I, I think about this a lot. It's the same as when I have to say I have a daughter. Yeah those mother and daughter, I don't know I don't know if it's because we spent so much of our first year and for, of the past 12 months in isolation and in lockdown that I really became a mother only within the four walls of our home I wasn't mm. a new mum out in the world interacting with society or with people and so I think that that was quite an interesting thing to observe because by the time we emerged from lockdown, Viola was nearly, I think she was nearly seven, eight months, seven months, eight months old. So I was a little bit clumsy and a little bit clunky, but not with a newborn where that seems a little bit more acceptable mm. in terms of getting her out in, you know, okay, I've got to pack snacks and I've got to pack this and this and this and I've got to figure out how to get the pram into the cart. Like really, me, you know, just like plain boring things. But you sort of feel like you give yourself a grace period and so does society in a way to know that they're a new mum, the baby's really tiny. Whereas like Vala was like seven months old and I was behaving like a new mother in those social situations. So Yeah, that's so interesting, yeah. isn't it? It's such and, a different yeah, experience. Yeah, and I think that the wording became around that too because I didn't have to say to anybody, oh, I'm a new mother, I'm a mother, this is my daughter because I, I couldn't yeah. talk to anybody. Yeah. And the people I could talk to, I wasn't a mother. I was just their friend. Yeah. Because they also weren't really seeing me mothering. They were just talking to me on FaceTime. Yeah. And looking at cute photos of this adorable baby. So, like, my experience was very internalised, I think, and I think that has a bit of a lasting effect in, yeah. In I don't know, and I also don't know if that's because I'm a writer and because of my f work field that, like, if you were to talk identity I wouldn't place mother at the top because even to Vala, like, yes, of course I am her mother and I mother mm. her, but I'm also, it probably goes back to what we were talking about because she's so woven into our lives and what we do for work is we love it. It is part of our life. I am also a writer and a creative as well as her mother potentially maybe on equal, equal plane in mm. a way. You know, like as that's part, it's like an equal part of my identity. Yeah. I don't have super strong connotations to the word, but that in itself is a paradox because 
all I wanted to write about when she was born was the mother experience. Yeah. So. Because we're trying to understand it ourselves, I think. Totally. Unpack that because it holds so many different meanings in society as well. Like we're coming back around to yeah, that topic again. I think that's why I love to ask that question about mm. the word because especially as a writer, you think about language a lot, mm. as do I. And a lot of people answer that question differently. And it's mm. just, I think when you really break all of this down and just say, what does the word mother mean to you? People have so much mm. to say. And I don't think people really think about it that much. And you much. can also go from like such a macro level as well. Like the word mother, mm. like I also think of mother earth. And I yeah. think of mother figures in nature who provide us with such a beautiful observation of um what that word means in its most simple basic instinctual sense and I think yes it is really about that nurture and I don't know if you can really break the word mother away from the idea of nature we are nature mm. and so I think about it from that perspective as well um but yeah, yeah I don't know if I I don't know if I have a huge resonation with it like becoming a part of my identity in a way that defines me but the Mm. experience of motherhood definitely Mm. defines me and provides inspiration yeah and so what about identity I know you've spoken about it a bit but but if you break it down how much has motherhood impacted the way you see yourself oh huge Mm. internally it's made me a better version of myself Valo makes me a better version of myself every day Mm. um because they just cut you right open you're so raw (laughs) and so um vulnerable but you also want to be so strong and um soft and supportive to them so you you have to you have to basically rebuild I, well, I, my experience because you have to rebuild yourself so that you mm. can be a the mother that they need. You can be the support person that they need. And that is the greatest challenge because your version of the best that you can possibly be may not be the best version that they need. And so mm. I think that's really interesting when people talk about you get the child or you get the birth that you need. Mm. That, that resonates with me a lot because – a lot of things that you go through and you try to plan or you try to imagine how things will be is you stuck in your own head. And I think there can sometimes be a lot of ego and self-doubt around those assumptions. And then you give birth and you have this little being who's looking at you and interacting in the world in a certain way. And you're like, oh, okay, so I thought I needed to behave X, Y, and Z. And I'm looking at them and tapping in they're really forcing me to tap into my intuition and like that's not at all how they need me to be yeah yeah Um, that's something yeah identity definitely they I think they almost help you to rebuild yourself into the version not just that they need but then in turn becomes a truer version of yourself Mm. there's so many roads I could take from what you just said there's so many things I wanted to respond but I'm like I don't want to I want you to continue no 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 don't apologize that's the 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 um struggle of being an interviewer you want to talk but you need to let people talk (laughs) Um, and now because of my mushy newborn brain all of those ideas have just disappeared one of the things that's so interesting about what you're talking about being this version of yourself that you need to be now, even if you break it down to like a really basic understanding of that, I think 
about, you know, the fact that you get up in the morning and there are all of these chores you have to do, which when you don't have kids, you can easily just pass mm-hmm. off as, oh, I won't do the washing today, whatever, I can get away with another day. Yeah. You can't do that when you're a mum. You need yeah. to give your children clean clothes, you yeah. know. Isn't it funny how there's just, there's so many ways that they make you be a better version of yourself mm-hmm. because you can't get away with being lazy. You can't yeah. get away with doing the bare minimum, Absolutely. even though you are doing the bare minimum that you can possibly handle. Yeah. It's just such yeah. a different version of it to what it was before. before. But also in talking about all of that stuff, Mm. you are in a unique position with your partner where you're balancing the mental load, parenthood and work. Mm. So I wonder how is that? Do you do you come to a sort of level arrangement, do you think? Is it sort of out of whack? What what's that process like for you? Do you discuss it? Oh yeah, absolutely. We discuss it. There's no way we could just like go ahead and we work together. (laughs) Like, yeah. The, yeah, we have to have, like, clear boundaries and clear roles, <laughs> yeah. otherwise it would just fall apart. Um, yep. So the balance at the moment is um, I try to work two days a week in terms of, like, actually work. Like, each day, you know, yeah. if I get the chance, I can respond to emails or do small tasks. Um, Thursdays is our day that we work together, and that's when we do a lot of our creative planning because we, both, we need both heads to mm. be in that project. Um, and then Odin kind of runs the ship for those other days. He's definitely take at the moment, he's definitely taking on more work than I am because I'm parenting during the day more than he is because he's obviously yeah. at work. Um, Mel's a highly sensitive person and her sleep reflects that as well. So she's 16 mm. months and I'm still, um, very much supporting her with her mm-hmm. sleep. Um, and overnight as well so I'm still not getting a lot of sleep and that obviously affects my ability to be able to be quite clear-headed in a work sense are you breastfeeding yeah Yeah. still breastfeeding that just it means that um, a lot of Vala's naps and a lot of bedtime well not a lot most um, Mm. I do Um, Mm. but then Odin cooks dinner for us as a family every single night I don't cook so um, and he does a lot of the washing and the tidying of the house and things like that. So we split it quite evenly in that sense. It's just exactly what you said, the mental load um, sometimes because I love working as well. I love my job and I love working. So there can be days where um, someone said it really beautifully to me. Um, one of my friends, Shelley, she said motherhood is the invisible work. And I just mm. thought that was such a beautiful way to say it because it is a lot of it is invisible like sitting down with your child or your toddler and um supporting them through uh you know emotions and emotion <laughs> thank you <laughs> Baby, great. and emotional um response and you know being really attuned and attentive and attachment parenting styles mm, all of those philosophies yeah. gentle parenting etc like it takes much longer yeah the payoff is of, of course worth it for if that mm. works for your family but it's invisible work. Like the house can be mm. a complete disaster and yep. all you've done for the past hour is like really, really nurtured and navigated your child through a, a, an emotional release or an experience or something yeah. like that. So um, for somebody who really loves working and, and the gratification of that, of seeing tasks create something, yeah. sometimes that can be hard. Um, yeah, but I can I relate. Said, like I, I just – they. T- I, Fala teaches me to be the best version of myself and so and that's 
she's taught me to be really present and really mindful in the moment and cut out a lot of the noise, like a lot of the like, yeah. oh, I need to be doing this and I'm half doing this and the multitasking. So I'm trying really not to multitask as much as my brain would um, naturally want to because it um, – and I'm seeing a better result. Like, you know, that's, yeah. I can – they're not going to go anywhere, the emails that I'm thinking about. I don't need to think about them right now. If I'm really present in this moment with her right now, that's going to be more beneficial for everybody involved. Um, it's, but it's so hard. interesting. Like it's, I mean, that, it's sitting there answering emails at 11 o'clock at night. Yes. After you've it's so interesting. sleep three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I've also been thinking about this a lot right now. And also it's funny because of my answer just before about how we have to do the washing, we have to do all of this stuff. But when you really break it down, everyone's priorities are different. Yeah. And I'm listening to this incredible audio book at the moment and it's called The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read <laughs> and Your Children Will Be Glad You Did. And it's so, so good. good. It's written by a psychologist and it talks a lot about attachment parenting style, yeah. gentle parenting style. And it's not a how-to book and it doesn't really tell you you know, how to do things for your children, yeah. but it talks about the emotional impacts that things have on them yeah. um, from a Which research point important. of view. And it's it's really a struggle listening to it myself because I'm realising, you know, she talks about how you may really need to unpack the dishwasher, but do you if your child is having this you know, tantrum over something, which is obviously them yes. struggling emotionally, yeah. leave the dishwasher, yeah. deal I with your child, you know. a free way to think about this. I do this yeah. a lot. And I, you can look at interactions out in the wild at the playground <laughs> or wherever. Yeah. Center. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And, like, if we just pause as adults and go, hang on, wait a minute, like, why actually can't our child do yeah. that? Unless there's, like, a severe safety risk. Mm. A lot of the time it is just societal pressures or societal yeah. norms. Comes back to that again, doesn't it? It's and it's so really true. freeing to be like, mm, no, nah, I'm not going to subscribe to that. Go for it. You want to jump in the mud? Yeah. Jump in the mud. i got to do yeah. 12 loads of washing anyway. Yes. And it's so embedded in us, even subconsciously. Um, my parents who are wonderful parents and they also read a lot of parenting books and yeah. did the best that they possibly could and I'm very thankful for the way they raised me. Yeah. But being at their house with my toddler <laughs> – yeah. You know, he'll pull open a drawer and start playing with the peanut butter jars and they'll be yeah. like, oh, don't do that. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. just let him play with the peanut yeah. butter jars. Like, yeah. what's he going to do? It's Part plastic anyway. resistance. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and of course, they're going to feel frustrated if you're saying no to that. Of they're course. like, why can't I stack these jars? Yeah. What's the we, issue? We, you know? I was like very, um, this is obviously pre-child when you have absolutely no idea, you know, mm-hmm. so they're, they're obviously just going to fit into our lives and like, you know, we can still have all yeah. these nice things, which yes, you can, but once they start walking and running around, yeah, you can either have your really nice things at the height that they can reach them and spend your whole day taking them <laughs> saying, off, no. saying no yeah. and them getting, yeah. like, I would be annoyed if somebody said no to me all the time at things that yeah. I could very easily grab yeah so we just moved everything up and like yeah yep. so now I've got like wooden acorns on my coffee table instead of like a beautiful helmet yes you know coffee table book but mm-hmm. my day is way better for it yes I can go into the other room and just know that she yeah. has a yes space someone said, called it yeah yes. I hate all these parenting terms but like a yes <laughs> space yep I love the yes space yeah, house is I agree. The space. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's funny about visiting friends too, isn't it? Because you're like, it becomes a whole job for you because you spend oh. your whole time with your friends, even though yeah. you really want to spend time with yeah. them, like don't managing touch, 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 your touch, toddler. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't um, and they be don't that parent. Like, I yeah, wanna, exactly. I want to be in looking at to be able to relax and 
and how and more like learning from what she's interested in and watching yes. her be inquisitive and nurturing that curiosity rather than like worrying about my book getting ripped up yeah and the amount of dinosaurs in my house right now honestly. <laughs> like two-year-old boy dinosaur central I actually opened the dishwasher the other day it was such a funny moment and I tried to put like the little tablet in yeah. the tablet holder yeah, and, and I dinosaur. flicked it open and there was a mini dinosaur in there I'm like That's what Barla's like go-to is the dog bed she just loves laying in the dog bed with Arlo but now it's so we'll <laughs> go to so like sweet. move Arlo's bed and there's just random things in there all the time. <laughs> the oh, poor dog's Mama's laying on. She is. She just looks at us like, Mom, you said this is going to be fun. Yeah. Like, wait a couple we- more years. <laughs> so funny. Man, I could talk about this with you all day, but I only have time for a few more questions. So mm-hmm. I'd love to know what advice you would give to your pre-mother self about motherhood and creativity. Mm. don't have to control everything and you shouldn't either because Mm -hmm. when you let go of control sometimes the most magical things happen Mm. I would also tell myself to just be a little kinder and a little gentler on myself um, and that I don't have to be perfect or please everybody all the time and I'm allowed to ask for what I need when I need it Mm. Um, creatively Write as much as you can right now because you're not going to have mm. enough time to do it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. wouldn't work for me anyway. I don't, I don't work well under pressure. <laughs> mm. But it's so true about getting your phone out and just like even I've been using That's, voice memo. Yeah, like, same. Love the voice memo. <laughs> yeah. Just quickly, oh, just like you can't, don't have time to use your fingers yeah. so you quickly say it yeah. into the voice memo. Because that's half the write, at least my process and the way that I write, half of the, probably 75% of it is like that first line on Mm. the theme. That's all I need. Like the words come. Yeah. You just need the time and the space. But if you're, if you're feeling creative and inspired, which happens a lot when you're, when you're sitting in such an intuitive, playful space with children, if you allow yourself Mm. to get there, you are really creative all the time because you're all of the noise kind of dissolves and disappears. Yeah. And I find that you're really, you are really intuitive if you just block out all of that noise. And that goes back to like parenting techniques and not feeling like you may not know what to do in certain situations as a new mother. I felt the less that I read and the less that I listened to other people, the more I knew what to do for my child. Yeah. Because who would know better than me? Yeah. For my and child. And who knows your child better than you, you know? Exactly. It's funny that you say that about being present with your child and what, sorry, I lost this my is train me. of like thought immediately. I'm like looking at a carpet. I'm like, can you pass me the, the, and owner will be like, use your words. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> oh gosh. I just listened to an interview earlier. It was Yarra Valley Writers Festival, but it was online oh, yeah. um, with Sally Hepworth. I don't know if you know her, she's a writer. And um, she spoke about how her idea they were asking her how um, her idea for a book began and how the yeah. book began. Yeah. And it's called The Good Sister. And mm. she was literally watching her two daughters play together and yeah. that's where the idea came from. Yeah. And she said she literally walked inside and wrote down on her book, Sisters? question <laughs> mark. And so that was good. it. That was the beginning is, yeah, of the whole great. novel. Like, and isn't it bizarre? That would be so I would love to read. I keep everything. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with <laughs> yes. archiving and notes and yep. like random things I've written down. And I think that's so interesting for a creative mm. process is to mm. 
it's not even that that question of like where do you find your inspiration from not that it's like what is what was your inspiration like what did you yes. write down what did you look at how did you see the world what were those first in a thoughts? way that made you yeah like we were um away visiting family because we're working on issue 10 at the moment and um since while it's been important well, not even like the editor's letter that I write is always the last thing to get done because mm-hmm. um you know you're doing all of the other things first and then you want to see the issue come together Yes. And so sometimes you can, you know, I can be so in the process that I'm like, I have no idea what it's going to be about yet. And this, mm. we went away to see family and um, I don't know, we just had this beautiful moment on the beach. There was the full, that full, beautiful, full blood pink, pink moon. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. In May. I remember. And yep. it was like on the 26th. It was on a Thursday. Val was born on the 26th on a Thursday. And it was just like everyone on the beach was watching. And I like this split second moment I just like looked behind me at people watching the moon and, that, and I was like oh yeah that whole that's done the whole editor's letter's done <laughs> so it was like really and I'm like yeah like all I need oh. is a couple of minutes or like you know hours to yep. get it out onto paper but like the a moment. there and the same thing the note in my thing is like moon slash birds in tree <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah and it's just something about the creative mind yeah. in a way. Yeah. Maybe not everyone works that way, but I definitely do, yeah. obviously, that writer did yeah. as well. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Um, the last thing I have to ask you about is what has motherhood given you? Motherhood has given me the ability to trust my intuition, mm. immensely trust my intuition and be guided by my intuition and have a better relationship with um, embodiment to allow that intuition to take over. It's also given me exceptional patience in a way that kind of shocked me a little bit because I wouldn't have previously described myself as a patient person because I'm, I want to go, go, go in terms of get stuff done. I want to create, I want to be on the go. And I'm so patient with Vala. Like I mm. astound myself on a daily mm. basis that I, I have the ability to do that. Mm. And so that, I guess, stems from something else that motherhood has given me, which is to lean on the power of surrender and to really mm. witness how, how monumentally different your day and your mindset can be if you allow yourself to surrender. And... Mm. Um, that has, that has changed up my whole experience because I, I, and I remember the day, like it was, I reckon she would have been like a week old, two weeks old. And I was awake at, you know, whatever time it was, ridiculous time in the middle of the night, feeding her, giving her a feed, putting her back to sleep again. And you get up and you can feel the furrow in your brow and you're like, oh, another, you know, you get, you're, you're tired. Like, and this is fair, mm. like you're exhausted. Mm. Um, and I just changed my attitude and I just said, I've got you, I've got you, baby, I've got you, girl. And to this day, I always, whenever she wakes up, I'm like, I've got you, I've got you, like, let's do this. Like, I'm here, we're going to, we're going to get you back to sleep or whatever it is. And I just honor the experience you know it's really an honor to be her mother and so if that's our if that's our experience at the moment and if I can surrender to it it makes it so much more enjoyable for both of us than resisting the whole way it's not going to be forever 
and that's so mm. hard. There's, I still obviously have dark moments in the middle of the night where you're like, I am going to be the mother breastfeeding a 19-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, like, but yeah, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> but like, you know, then you surrender and you're like, no, it's just yes. one tiny step and one tiny moment in that moment at a time and yeah. you get through it and it's so much more enjoyable and you're both better off for it. Mm. That's so beautifully put. Honestly, I could listen to your thoughts on motherhood and <laughs> the creative process all day, Annika, but that's unfortunately all I have time for. All right. For our listeners, you can find Jane Magazine at janebythegrayattic.com. I'll put a link in the show notes just because it's people may well, not know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying clearly. <laughs> they also have a list of worldwide stockists, as I noticed, on your website. So if you want to buy the mag, go onto their website. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show. So it's much. been honestly Thank such you. a great morning chatting with you. It's been wonderful. Today's episode is sponsored by Coco Flip. Coco Flip is a Melbourne-based furniture and lighting design studio run by Kate Stokes and Hazlitt Grounds. Working closely with local craftspeople and manufacturers, they create playful products with personality. With an appreciation of slowness in life and work, they place a high value on time, community and quality. Coco Flip creates distinctive furniture and lighting for people who celebrate the good things in life. Enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your order. Valid until November 7th, 2021.